This is an Odyssey original. This is War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Peace talks in Turkey today. Russian and Ukrainian negotiators were said to make some progress. Still no end in sight to the fighting, though. Russia says it is halting military operations around Kyiv. U.S. intelligence, however, not buying it. They see a repositioning of forces, not a withdrawal. We'll take a closer look. We will go back into Ukraine as well, talk with a journalist who, before the invasion, was writing about culture and issues of the day, now focused on helping people struggling during the fighting. Well, we start with peace talks. Turkey's foreign minister says there's been a consensus and common understanding on some issues. How much closer are we to ending this war? Robert English is the director of Central European studies at USC and an expert on domestic and foreign politics of Russia and Eastern Europe. Uh, We've heard so many times throughout this war about meetings and uh, negotiations between the two sides, but nothing new to show for it. So what do you make of this latest meetup in Turkey? I am slightly encouraged after so many disappointments, as you correctly point out, there have been a lot of meetings, of rounds of negotiations with absolutely no progress. But you know, A war only ends, a ceasefire only comes into place when both sides are exhausted and neither one can gain much more, and they start having a common interest in stopping the fighting, and we're getting close to that. Uh, We're not there yet, but we know that while Russia can send missile strikes and still do a ton of damage, they can't seem to take any territory, and in fact, they're being forced into an early retreat. So it's not looking good for them. They're not going to conquer Ukraine, and they now know it, and their army's hollowed out, and it's weakened, and it's demoralized, and it could be on the edge of collapse in another few weeks if they don't halt the fighting. Ukraine, for its part, is absolutely exhausted. The country is being destroyed, and so sadly, all this destruction and degradation on both sides has finally brought them close to a ceasefire. Do you, do we believe Russia in the actual scaling back of the fighting around Kyiv? Because some people are, are saying, okay, well, they made a huge mistake by thinking they were going to take the country in one fell swoop. So now what they're doing is they're going to fall back, they're going to regroup, they're going to go in piece by piece. And then also while they're at it, they're going to keep on shelling while they, while they regroup themselves. I've been following the military side really closely, and that includes not only the incidents of mutiny, of disobedience, of demoralization on the front, but also there are really serious problems in recruiting to find reinforcements, both human and material. They are not – they don't have the tanks. They are cannibalizing older models for spare parts. They are having trouble calling up recruits. Um, It's going really badly, and the public is resisting. And so on that side, I'm more encouraged that Russia will not be able to do what some worry about, what you described. You're right. We won't know for sure. The proof is in the pudding, and I think President Biden is probably right here to say, I'll believe it when I see it. But I just don't see how Russia can mount a new offensive with any success, especially as we continue to arm the Ukrainians with the weapons to resist that. Okay, so provided that there is a diplomatic solution, uh, who ends up, in your view, with the upper hand in that solution? Does Putin walk away with uh, a sizable enough 
uh, and I'm putting the word victory in quotes, victory that he could sell it if he needs to sell it to the Russian people as a total victory? Or does he uh, withdraw his troops having gained really nothing except perhaps the disgust of the world? I think he will try to hold on to that modest additional territory on the interior around Crimea, connecting the Crimean area with the Donbass. It's not much. It's maybe at 4 or 5% of Ukrainian territory. Everything else he's tried and has not been able to hold. I think still, when you're the propagandist-in-chief and you have uh, you know, state media dominating, you can sell anything as a victory. And he can claim, if Ukraine agrees to some kind of no NATO or neutral status, which is being floated now, if they agree to that, and he has this little bit of territory gained in the Donbass region, yeah, that's more than enough for him to claim victory, even though we all know it is a stinging defeat uh, in terms of what he tried to achieve, which was total conquest. Is it Ukraine and the resistance? Was it Putin drinking his own Kool-Aid or back to the military side of things? Was the Russian army really never that up to the task, even though the rest of the world thought they might have been? <laughs> People in my business are going to be digesting this and having fun analyzing it for years. And I think it's probably some of both. I think you put your finger on both sides. The army wasn't as good as we thought. And I think that's because of the corruption. It's because the competence and diversity that Putin had in his government in the early years, where he had competing advisors, he had a lot of technocrats, a lot of experts, and they contended and they debated and they came up with, you know, pretty reasonable policies. That's all gone. The Putin of recent years has, you know, shut himself off. He's been more isolated. He's gotten rid of all original thinkers and only yes men are there. And yeah, they told him his army was great and it wasn't. They told him they were ready to conquer and they weren't. So they were feeding him Kool-Aid, but he was asking for it. It was that dilemma of an autocrat where everyone is afraid to say something that displeases them. They fed in the Kool-Aid, but they felt they had no choice. And the result is, you know, a military disaster. Robert English, Director of Central European Studies at USC. The war in Ukraine has devastated the country in so many ways. We've been hearing from people there about how their lives may never return to what was once normal. The city of Kharkiv near the Russian border has been absorbing bombardment for almost a month straight at this point. Ekaterina is a journalist there. She left Donetsk in the Donbass region in 2014 after war started there with Russian-backed separatists. She went to Kharkiv, where she helped start a media company. But since the war started last month, she has left Kharkiv. Many others who work for the company are scattered across the country and are now writing about the war. Tell us a little about what you do for a living in Ukraine. Uh, hi, my name is uh, Katya. Uh, so uh, uh, I was born in Russia and uh, I lived there first uh, 10 years. Uh, last uh, 60 years I live uh, in Ukraine. Uh, so first uh, eight years uh, I uh, lived in Donetsk and that was first time when uh, Russia comes with war to my city and to my home. They occupied Donetsk and I uh, moved uh, to Kharkiv. And uh, so uh, I live uh, in Kharkiv 
more than seven years. Uh, six years ago, I uh, founded uh, a media about Kharkiv, about local culture uh, and human rights, uh, and uh, and also uh, on twenty fourth of February, um, I woke up uh, in the morning in uh, five at five uh, because uh, I had an explosion. And um, my friend uh, sent me that uh, Katya, I'm sorry, it's so early, but uh, the war started. Uh, wake up, um, Katerina. Uh, you did say uh, that, if I heard you correctly, that you were born in in Russia. So you're you're ethnic Russian. Yes, I'm ethnic Russian, and uh, so uh, I'm. Uh, that uh, type of people which uh, Russia uh, came to defend, uh, but uh, that's how Russia defend. Uh, they took home and uh, they took cities and uh, you go another land uh, because, uh, because they're against war. Yeah, coming in to do what nobody asked them to do. Yeah. Um, you said you have the media company. What is that like for you to, to still kind of trying to be to running this and getting the news out to people and having all your coworkers, like we said, all around the country and, and you know, doing the war coverage and, and worried about them? Um, also, uh, before, before the war, uh, our media uh, wrote uh, about Kharkiv, uh, about uh, social projects, uh, about local musicians, artists. But uh, when the war started, uh, we had uh, like two or three days uh, when we thought what we will do uh, uh, with this war, uh, because we understood that, that we are not uh, news media. Uh, and we decided to, uh, in our media, uh, to, uh, on the one side, to write about, the, about war, uh, from other side, um, to uh, 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 remind uh, about this uh, city community uh, because uh, on one in one moment uh, war will be finished and uh, we are interested, uh, like people and like media, um, uh, to see how people will back to city. Uh, because okay. now, now many of people about which we wrote, they uh, they uh, move to to other cities and to other countries. So tell me a little bit uh, about how, uh, other than your business, of course, uh, how this has impacted you and your family. Uh, do you have? Uh, are you? I presume that you're more in the western part of Ukraine now. Is that correct? Uh, I now uh, in uh, Chernivtsi. Uh, it's um, uh, west uh, part of Ukraine. Uh, we moved here in um, the first day. We spent three days on the way, uh, and uh, my family uh, moved to, to Austria. Uh, but I stayed in Ukraine, and uh, also I here worked with. Uh, project uh, which uh, helps uh, Ukrainian to to win in this war. Why did you stay and not go with the family? Was it to, to do the, the coverage of the war? Did you want to try and stay 
can help? Uh, because it's my land, uh, because it's my country, because I know that uh, uh, I can uh, do something uh, to help uh, people in Ukraine. Um, as example, uh, from from the start of the war, uh, we with my friend uh, launched uh, two projects. Uh, first, uh, it's yourbrave.org. Uh, uh, this project which helps uh, foreign media to connect with people from Ukraine, uh, which can tell truth to media. Um, and also we uh, ask uh, media from all countries uh, throughout about Ukraine, uh, throughout about what happened here, uh, because it's, uh, it's really hell. Uh, and uh, I think that um, this uh, this war, it's not about uh, Ukraine and Russia. It's uh, a big uh, question about uh, who will win, uh, people which defend their home or people which came to another home and uh, start war there. Uh, and so uh, our first project, uh, this You Are Brave, uh, it uh, helps to tell the world truth about, uh, about war in Ukraine. Do and, you? Uh, the second, let me ask uh -huh. you, because you, again, uh, you mentioned uh, in passing that you were born in Russia. Do you still have friends or relatives in in Russia? And if so, have you been in communication with them? And what is their understanding, if that's the case, of what is actually happening? My father still uh, lives in Russia, uh, but we uh, we didn't speak with uh, him uh, from the start of war because uh, he think that uh, this war is uh, right decision. Uh, but you know, it uh, he thinks it's uh, the right decision. Right, the right decision. Yes, he Yes, uh, so uh, Russia and Russian people uh, think uh, think that uh, if uh, they uh, wouldn't uh, bomb uh, Ukraine, uh, somebody will bomb them. Uh, but you know, it's good to, to say, uh, "Oh, war is right decision." When war, uh, it's not on your land. Uh, when not your children uh, died uh, because uh, because it's bomb they bombed city uh, it's right decision when when not your friends died uh, because they don't have food because their city is occupied uh, in in this way it can be maybe right decision but when it when war is on your land, uh, that never can be a right decision. What is it like for you to have him believe all this? It's it's your own father. Uh, uh, I had uh, this uh, uh, this thought uh, from from that twenty fourteen uh war with russia uh not started uh, on 24th february it started uh eight years ago when they occupied uh, donetsk uh, city where i lived 
and they occupied Crimea. So I thought uh, all the shit about uh, the right to war, uh, all this eight year, but uh, after 24th of February, when uh, this war uh, became bigger and it uh, really, and Russia really do the hell on the whole, whole territory of Ukraine. Mm, it's, uh, you know, uh, now in Ukraine we see very uh, interesting changes in society uh, because uh, mm, in addition to uh, missiles flying to our cities, we have seen how quickly the borders between people are collapsing uh, communication changing and this family became not because uh, somebody became your family not because he's your relatives uh, but because uh, he um, he think in the way you think Katerina, let me let me uh, interrupt because I, I am curious in pursuing this a bit you're you're so you're not talking to your your father who's in Russia uh, what about your mother? Is, is are they separated? Is your mother still alive, or d does she live with your dad in Russia? No, no. My mother with my brother. She uh, lives uh, in Austria. Austria. So and your your mom's my, in Austria. My, and with my grandparents, uh, and also a city in Ukraine where they lived before. It was uh, totally destroyed uh, two weeks ago totally destroyed for and now and now people which stayed in the city they uh, died every day uh, because they don't have food because uh, Russian barriers um, don't give permission to humanitarian uh, organizations uh, to bring food to this city so people really sit uh, in basements and they die because they don't have food. Can you imagine this situation uh, on in twenty first century? How how are the family members doing that that were able to get out there that are in Austria in terms of making that journey and then having somewhere to stay? You know, now that they're there, uh, it's difficult for them because uh, my family. Uh, lose uh, their home my my mom and my brother at uh, 2014 and uh, they uh, bought apartments uh, three years ago and they lose them again how do you think this is likely to end do you think that that ukraine is going to there have been some comparisons made to North and South Korea, for example, uh, that, of course, ha have been divided for quite some time now since the Korean War. Do you think that that is what is the the end result of this war uh, that Russia has imposed on Ukraine, that you'll end up being a divided country with a, a western part that's a sovereign country, but an eastern part, the Donbass region, certainly, and maybe even... Uh, the southeast part near the uh, Odessa area as being part of Russia? <clears throat> uh, 
now uh, this uh, this can't happen uh, because uh, if uh, Russia wants uh, to divide uh, country on uh, different parts parts uh, in beginning they should uh, kill all Ukrainians uh, because uh, all that hell what they do uh, last uh, month in Ukraine. Um, they uh, they do Ukrainians uh, more nationalistic than they were before that, uh, and uh, I think that uh, all what they do on our land, uh, we never will forgive them. We never will forgive them. Uh, thousands people in Mariupol, which. Uh, uh, die every day uh, because children die because they don't have wa water uh, and uh, ukrainians uh, never will forgive all this shit to russia and they will uh, never um, uh, i don't know how how how, how it's uh, right uh, to say uh, Ukrainians will never allow to divide their country and uh, Ukrainians will never uh, give their land to Russia. That's Ekaterina there, was in the Donbass region, left there after 2014, went to Kharkiv, started the media company, now had to flee there uh, because of the bombings. And, and as she was saying, kind of, it was a cultural kind of magazine newspaper thing, turned yeah. it around, now they're doing war coverage and, and heartbreaking, the, just the, the family dynamic, the dad in Russia. in Russia doesn't believe that any of this is happening. Mom lost her home the first go round in 2014, had to leave again, lost Austria. this home. She's in Austria. She's in Austria now. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Ekaterina, thanks so much for talking to us and uh, we, we, we wish you all the best. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and on Stitcher.